Welcome to another episode of 6 Minute Monday where I give you 6 tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. Tip number one. This tip actually has two tips in it. There's two tips in this first tip, and it is an exercise tip. And because there's two tips, I'm going to ring this bell. Anyway, uh, you'll hear more about the bell later. So, people have asked, how wide should my legs be when I perform a deadlift? So the best, the closest method to get to the right leg width, all right, it's obviously going to be a lot of trial and error, but the thing to get you started is you perform a jump. When you land, look down, see how far apart your legs are. That's how far apart your legs should be when you begin to do work on your deadlift. Now, here is the caveat to this. If you are working with the trap bar, which many of our guys are now doing, so if you're not working with the barbell, if you're working with the trap bar, not all trap bars are created the same. Some of them have wider handles to actually grab that handle. So wh why does this matter? Well, when you perform a deadlift, here's tip number two within the first tip about exercise, you want to have your knees pushing against your forearms. All right, You want your knees pushing against your forearms. So that's, what it's going to do is going to create torque, and it's going to help you lift the weight more easily. Having said that, if your arms are really wide on this new hex bar that you have that you're working with, or, or a trap bar, whatever the heck you're calling it, you may need to widen out your legs a little bit. So for me, my normal deadlift is it's like a little closer than shoulder width apart. When I use a hex bar, I'm actually a little wider than shoulder width apart. All right, you're welcome, Jimmy Yuski. Okay, you'll talk to Jimmy Yuski, ask why he asked about that tip. Okay, tip number two, something I am experimenting with. So back in the day when it was snowing and uh, we couldn't get to a gym, something that Joe Marechko and I would do, we would do a jump rope exercise. It was every minute on the minute for 20 minutes. So every minute, on the minute, for 20 minutes, we would bang out 100 reps of jump rope. If you do the math, that's 2,000 reps in 20 minutes. Uh, it's a great workout. It's, I, felt, I felt good doing it every time, never actually felt too winded from it. Awesome workout. Now, what I realized is, is that workout is completely contradictory to my feelings on feed the cats, which is go as fast as you can for as long as you can. But when you're doing 100 reps for 20 repetitions, you're kind of just pacing yourself. So... And when I say this, you get this 100 reps for 20 minutes. If you get it done in 30 seconds, you get a 30-second break. If you get it done in 45 seconds, you get a 15-second break. So I was kind of getting it done between 30 and 45 seconds and just kind of just pacing myself. Now I've changed up the workout. So now it's still 20, 20 times you're going to do it. It's every minute on the minute for 20 minutes, except in go instead of going for 100 reps, going for 10 seconds. You get 10 seconds of work, 50 seconds off. 10 seconds of work, 50 seconds off. But in that 10 seconds... You burn out. You get as many reps as you possibly can in 10 seconds. I did it twice over the past week because all the snow in Staten Island. I was winded, really winded, uh, but also still banging out. I'll say my 10 seconds, I was getting between 50 and 60 reps every single time. Give it a shot. Let me know what you think. Okay, tip number three. Uh, this is a quote that I've been thinking about. It's from Jonathan Swift. When a great genius appears in the world, you may know him by this sign that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. I'll say it one more time. When a great genius appears in the world, you may know him by this sign, that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. Okay, tip number four, a book that I'm reading that has moved me. Uh, and You guys have heard some of these previous podcasts where I've been looking at history, looking at uh, these people who have moved the world, and you, you sometimes you start to freak out, like, oh my God, where are we heading? There's so much change in the world, what's going on? Well, when you read this book, Lessons of History, you realize that, not much has changed at all. Since uh, things have been documented, things really haven't changed. Like, for example, you think that thoughts about things like socialism and communism started with a guy like Karl Marx. Well, they actually really didn't. Uh, this stuff was going on in B.C., in the B.C. times. 
they were they actually experimented with communism communism I'm sorry socialism they experimented with it over and over and over again throughout history so my point is by reading this book I'm freaking out a lot less the, po- the other point is can we can people be actually be smart enough to actually look at history and learn probably not they act like everything's happening for the first time when it's happening to them read this book it's an easy read you could probably read it in about an hour but you'll see that a not this not all this stuff is happening for the first time and b maybe we can learn from what happened before so we don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again okay tip number five tip number five all right so this tip is a productivity tip you heard me ring a bell right heard me ring a bell well a lot of us are still working virtually because of the pa- pandemic and the quarantine so uh you know part of what i do at work is i am like i, I in some ways called a taskmaster, so you're trying to make sure that people are getting their tasks done. Some of you guys are project managers, you work at construction sites, and you're trying to make sure that people get certain things done at a certain time based on a certain schedule. Now, it's cool when you get it done, but it's hard to get reinforcement or some sort of, I don't know, pat on the back or some sort of signal that you should be celebrating when you do get stuff done. You kind of just take it for granted and move to the next thing. Well, we started doing, I went out and bought this bell. It's great for virtual meetings. We got a task done, you ring that bell. You know who else did this? And I didn't know this until very recently. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, you might have heard of him. Amazon. They would get something done. They ring a bell. So pretty cool idea. I think, I know actually it's been working well for us. So give it a shot. You get something done, ring that bell. Celebrate it. But now everybody gets that signal that something good's happened. And sooner or later people are going to start to try and get stuff done so they can hear that bell. All right, last thing. Famous failure. James Harrison. I was listening to a podcast this week. I knew some things about James Harrison. I didn't know them all. And it was uh, the D coordinator of Pitt. He had coached at Kent State. So James Harrison goes as uh, a no-scholarship walk-on at Kent State. That's right. This is J- James Harrison, no-scholarship walk-on Kent State. Think about kids right now whose hearts are broken because they, they don't get a scholarship. James Harrison, no-walk-on Kent State. Great. Doesn't play his first couple of years. It plays his last two years. He's Defensive Player of the Year, I think, for the team both years. Goes, goes to the NFL undrafted. So undrafted, the Steelers pick him up, uh, cut him not once, not twice, but three separate times. In the middle of all of this, he gets put on the Ravens. The Ravens pick him up, and they send him to Europe. So this dominant, dominant football player who was considered too short, six foot, too small, 240, uh, couldn't play in the NFL for three years, getting cut over and over again, and then he becomes James, Har- James Harrison, the dude that we all know and love. The guy you want to watch on Instagram, uh, either punishing himself in a weight room or all the stuff that he did for rehab. I think he spent like a million dollars a year rehabbing his body. body. So guys out there, young guy, a little frustrated you didn't get that college scholarship. Stop. Enough. Keep battling. Keep fighting. Nobody, You don't deserve anything. Nobody owes you anything. Go out and earn it. James Harrison. Man, love that story. All right, have a good rest of the week. This episode is brought to you by the Nutrition Treatment Center. Are you feeling tired, fat, bloated, weak? Yet at the same time, you're training like you've never trained before? You're eating cleaner than you've ever eaten before? Well, maybe you're doing everything right, but there's something wrong inside your body that's counteracting all the good things that you're doing. It's kind of like driving down the Garden State Parkway with your foot on the gas pedal, but you're not getting anywhere because the parking brake's on. And in the world of nutrition, that parking brake could be food sensitivities. For example, you could be eating grilled chicken, but it's actually making you fat. Or you could have a micronutrient deficiency. If you're feeling tired, fat, bloated, weak, and you think you're doing everything right, go visit our friend Dr. Tom over at the Nutrition Treatment Center. 
If you tell them that Advanced Training referred you, he will take 25% off your first consultation fee. This man legitimately changed my life. He brought me from, and I'll just say the numbers, 19.5% body fat, a guy who trained all the time, down to 12% body fat. I lost weight while eating more, and I've never felt better, and I'm, I'm an old man now. I'm not a young man, and I've never felt better. This guy saved my life. I 100% believe in what he's done. Again, visit Dr. Tom over at the nutritiontreatmentcenter.com.